Good, good to go. All right. Uh, so last week, um, we talked uh, talked about our words, right? That God's word is power. He spoke and the world came into being. And then God gave humanity power uh, in the ability to uh, name the animals, in the ability to, to bless, bless each other, bless our children, bless one another, also to curse, all right? Which is to bring about uh, God's curse upon man. So... And in that, we also focused towards the end of it on how our words can be used to hurt others. And I'm going to continue on that this morning uh, um, in the, the sermon series I'm calling Watch Your Mouth. Uh, this morning, we're going to focus on the different types of ways that we hurt each other within a, a, context, a context of a community of faith, family, family groups, through gossip and slander. Um, it's really easy to come up with ways that other people negatively spoke to us, right? It's easy for us uh, as parents to think about the way the kids spoke to us, uh, think about family members, and then, of course, kids, it's easy for you to think about how the parents spoke to you negatively, right? For the next 30 minutes, I'm going to give you a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to think only about yourself, okay? I want you to think about how you talk to other people. Paul says in, in many places throughout his letters that our hearts should be circumcised, right? That what is happening, circumcision is an outward expression of dedication to God, right? But our hearts should be circumcised in that our actions and our words should should be what uh, shows that we're believers. It shows the condition of our heart and then also directs our life in a particular direction. I just want you also to think about how, how just your mood affects what comes out of you. You have a great night's sleep, some of you who drink the disgusting beverage called coffee um, wakes you up. You feel alert. You're feeling good. And so the words that come out, the words that you speak to your coworkers and family members are good, right? Any of you experience hang- hangerness? Any of you get hangry? If you're hungry, you get angry, right? Uh, these little things affect the way we speak to one another. Um, <laughs> some more than others. Uh, also, things we read... Uh, things uh, we watch, things we listen to, these all are things that have an effect about uh, what comes out of our mouth. Right? If we listen to things that are positive and uplifting, it's more likely that it's going to have a, a positive effect the way we feel and the way we speak. Conversely, if you have a favorite podcast and the podcast host tends to get a little loose with his language, it's going gonna, it's gonna to seep into you, seep into your own and what comes out when you uh, talk to others. Um, Scripture talks about five different types of verbal aggression. And while I'm talking here, you can uh, turn to uh, Numbers chapter 12. While I'm talking, uh, um, uh, there are five types of verbal aggression. The first that Scripture talks about is cursing, and I talked about that last week. So cursing is calling upon a supernatural power to bring harm to another. And last week we we went in depth on the uh, story of of King uh, Balak wanting Balaam to curse Israel on his behalf, right? So that is, that is the biblical version of, of cursing, ask God to bring a curse on somebody. Sometimes we use, in our language, cursing to mean we cursed at somebody, you curse someone out. That's not the biblical term. Uh, secondly, um, uh, the Bible talks about reviling, and this is actually what, what, we, what our, our culture calls cursing. So reviling is where you are insulting or hurling abuse at somebody else. I like to think that we reserve this type of uh, reviling towards people who cut us off on the freeway. But uh, sometimes there are are 
people that we can be verbally abusive, or sometimes maybe we grew, some of you may have grown up into a household that was you experienced some verbal abuse in your direction. Um, then we have uh, guile. Guile is where someone is deceitful. They use deceitful speech, misleading words to cloak their misintentions, right, to do evil. And so uh, we touched on a passage also last week, uh, Psalm 55, where uh, David says, this type of person's words are softer than oil, right? The person who is deceitful and misleading leaves us feeling unsure of our relationship with them because we're not sure we can trust that person, right? Uh, we should be not that person and be aware of avoiding those people. Uh, the fourth type is uh, the Bible speaks against bearing false witness. Uh, this is about testifying falsely in a court of law to another's harm. So all these four, cursing, reviling, guile, and bearing false witness are, are easier to detect in ourselves because those things are intentionally sinful, right? To, call a curse on somebody, that's on purpose, to verbally uh, curse at somebody, right, to use uh, what we would call bad language, to use guile, we're being sneaky on purpose, and then bearing false witness, that is in public, like I said, you're swearing an oath that this person did the opposite of what they actually did. Those things are all on purpose, um, and they're meant to... Uh, el- those things lead to breaking apart of relationships, and it leads to mistrust and resentment. So this morning, uh, the fifth type is slander. Also, can take the form of gossip. A slander is speaking evil about someone, usually to somebody else. But slander, unlike the other four, are more subtle. It's more undetected because you're not doing it to somebody; you're doing it behind their back, right? Um, and unfortunately, it's it's way more common amongst believers, um, and it's a weapon that we use to hurt one another. Um, there are three different types of words translated as slander in the Bible. The first, in the Greek, uh, the first one is katalulos, and that means to speak against. And it's in that case, it's the, about the inappropriateness of making the charges against the person. Uh, the second one is diabolos. If you can hear that, diabolos, right? It means that person is a slanderer or a gossiper. So that is a identifying somebody in, in, in some cases. Um, and then blasphemia, which means speaking badly of someone. So again, the distinction from false witness, it doesn't mean that what is said isn't even true, right? In this case, it's occurring when the facts are accurate. You might know of a sin or a struggle of somebody's, but you are sharing that with somebody else um, in order to damage another's reputation. Uh, and these people are not just slanderers, and uh, sometimes more subtle things, um, it might not be a sin, but you're talking about someone is, uh, is a gossip or a gossiper. Uh, so I want to think about the ways that we talk about people. Um, I'm going to give some examples too, and then we'll, we'll get to the numbers passage. Uh, Orlando and I used to work together right, for a long time, and um, we had to train new people every once in a while who are coming on for a short period or a long period. And so if this new person, I'm training him, and I, and I say, hey, Orlando, he's really got his stuff together. He's a great inspector. Watch what he does. Follow what he does. Uh, follow his example, right? But watch out for these two guys over here. They're not so good on the attention to detail. They're not really great with customers, right? So what I've done here is I have set my other co-workers up against for failure. So it doesn't matter. They could be great guys, right? But because I told the new person, 
hey, watch out for these guys. They're kind of shady. Everything that they see or do negatively, they're going to see as negative, right? So I've already given uh, a bad reputation to these people. We should avoid these type of things. Um, so that's a form of gossip. Um, in that case, we have no right to speak to people this way, and we have no right to hear them either. Uh, what does it do? It catches uh, this type of uh, uh, gossip kind of catches us off guard because you, you're not expecting it. It's hard to kind of avoid hearing when someone is kind of um, hurting the reputation of someone else. Um, okay, now we're getting to our Numbers passage. So if you've already turned there, we're going to start in Numbers chapter 12. We're just going to read eight verses here. Uh, this is called the murmuring of Miriam and Aaron. It says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and to Miriam, You three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the doorway of the tent. And he called Aaron and Miriam. When they had both come forward, he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Two, two types of slander here going on. One, a slander against a family member. Right? That is Moses' wife, a sister-in-law. They felt it was perfectly okay to, to speak against her. We do this in our societies quite well. Um, uh, my, my, you know, my, my grandma passed away uh, this past November, and uh, a couple of months later, I was talking with a cousin, and you know, you go through the process of like cleaning out their stuff and laying claim to this or that, right? Which is is awkward and kind of fun, but it, it can be kind of lead to funny situations. Before we knew it, we were uh, we were not there when the stuff was being parceled out, but we kind of said, hey, we want this and we want that. And then you hear from them, well, you know, that person, they kind of, they were older and, you know, kind of felt like they had more of a claim to it than others, right? And it became a funny story, but still what we're doing is we're, we're kind of, it leads to piling on of that person, right? So again, um, you might have had a positive uh, image of that person in your head, but by speaking about them and hearing it, it can conflate it and make it worse, the second type of slander that happened in that passage is speaking against those in authority. Um, this happens a lot too, right? Uh, we speak against our, our co-workers who are above us. We complain about them to other employees. And again, it, it, it messes with the reputation of someone uh, that you might have had a positive one or vice versa. Um, it, it just multiplies it. Um, and then all... It doesn't make it go away, right? So if you complain about that person, it doesn't make you feel better, right? You just helped with someone else piling on also, okay? So things we should avoid. I want to give some more examples of, of things that we do in our society, and then we'll, we'll turn to Scripture. While you're waiting, you can turn to uh, James chapter 3. Um, here's, here's some more examples. I hear, I'm going to use Joe and Jane a lot because we don't have anybody named Joe and Jane right here. Um, I hear Joe was fired from his job. Again. Okay, things we say. 
Jane sure gets into a lot of automobile accidents. Did you know that Joe and Jane are having marital problems? So speaking about these people's problems in a way that could reflect on people's character and competence, no accusations are made in any of those statements, right? But it's not hard to miss the intent. There's, they're incompetent or there's some difficulty, right? But we make it part of our business and then we share it with others. Here's some more. Did you know that Jane has to fight daily against her alcohol problem? I hear that Joe has a strong attraction for watching inappropriate videos. Speaking about others' others' temptations and sins because they've been shared, we should be offering to seek seek help in those situations, right? Being offering uh, to be a listening ear, but to, to pray for those things, not to share it with others. Here's some more. Joe told me he really dislikes his new boss. Jane made $75,000 last year. A friend may share these details with you, but you're not, a free to, you're not free to share these details onto others, even though they may not be sin-related. Right? We need to be careful of what we're sharing to others because we may not have permission to do it. How about this one? I think Jeff has poor taste in clothing. Well done. If you ask me, Jeff and Erica spank their children too much. Or, Jeff and Erica don't spank their children enough, obviously. Okay. Jane is awful behind the wheel. It's amazing she passed her driver's license. So again, here we're speaking critically about various areas of other people's lives. Um, Paul sometimes uses a word. It's hard to pronounce it because of, of the way uh, spelling word. I think it's uh, uh, which is This means whispering with a neighbor. Uh, can also mean silly or useless speech. A lot of the things, the examples I gave, were silly and useless information to pass on to others. Uh, so this is whenever we reveal another's personal thoughts and struggles without their permission. Uh, we think of gossip as a lighter sin, or not even a sin at all sometimes, or, or what we said wasn't sinful, right? And really not that serious. But Scripture takes it quite seriously and uses force. Uh, I am going to turn... Uh, Actually, turn with me. Turn to Romans chapter 1, verses... You can keep your finger in the James passage. We're going to come back to that. So turn to Romans chapter 1. Before this passage, Paul is talking about the world and the reason for the state that it's in. And the unbeliever's behavior, and its consequences. So if you would, uh, we're going to look at verses 28 through 31. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do these things which are not proper, proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, and there's, there's a list of things, right? Greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. When we give away someone's personal and private information, we prove ourselves to be disloyal and untrustworthy, especially when we have the information because that friend confided in us. And all those examples are examples of how the world acts. Right? That's not how a believer is supposed to interact or talk about others. Um, affection in our culture is, dif- is difficult, 
I want to move to uh, a different topic and kind of move to like this uh, this negative humor that we use. Um, affection in our culture is, dif- is difficult. Uh, we're, 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 if you're in a tight group, it's it's a little different, right? Uh, I see it in this congregation when we see each other, warm embraces, firm handshakes, good smiley faces. It's it's genuine. Um, it, it's not like that everywhere else, right? Um, Kim, you recall Africa, right? When you when you when you live with a family for a while, their idea of showing affection and friendship is very different. Like uh, the the person that the family that I lived with, uh, the husband, oh, walking down the street, he just grabs my hand and with her interlocking fingers, just like that. It's very uncomfortable, right? Very very uncomfortable because we just don't do that. We don't hold hands as males as friends in our world because that means something very very different in our society, right? Um, but um, our, folk, our, our society does a more a negative type of humor where you feel very, very comfortable. Um, it, it's, we joke casually about a subject. Um, our, and our intention is to express affection uh, and familiarity and, and often funny, right, to both you and them. Uh, but the laughs are, in, this, in some cases, are acquired at somebody else's expense. Uh, their mistakes, their weaknesses. Um, it's funny, but it could be painful to that person at the same time. Uh, Mark Kinzer, whose book I'm referring to or I've been reading and uh, helping me uh, uh, frame my thoughts, called Taming the Tongue, he calls this slapping with a smile, right? You offended that you said something that could be mildly offensive, you smiled at him when you did it, so he calls it a slap with a smile. Uh, So let's be clear, scripture doesn't address this type of issue, uh, so it may not be a sin, but because maybe this just wasn't an issue, uh, just not the way the society uh, behaved towards one another in close context. But we should still be cautious when joking at other expenses. Here's some um, more examples. If Joe and Jane are on time, hell must have frozen over, right? Jokes, right? Meant to be lighthearted, right? But it, it could be real. Uh, Jane drives as though she thinks traffic signs are ornaments to beautify the roads. Joe's so fat that he and his shadow make a crowd. Jane cooks so poorly, Joe uses her leftovers as insecticide. So, while conveying conveying some affection here, negative humor shows seeds of what? We're criticizing those people at the same time. Maybe even hiding hints of jealousy, depending on what the joke is or what it's about, or resentment. Uh, Negative humor is very, very habit-forming, and definitely to me, um, we're going to read a passage a little bit later, but uh, Erica Cotby and giving her a hard time in front of somebody else, right? She's like, aren't you teaching people about watching your mouth? Like, it, it is so habit-forming to just dig at somebody, whether I think it was, I, I can't remember what it was, but I think I was teasing her about being a little bit messy sometimes, often, a lot. Um, but, <laughs> see, I'm doing it again. Um, it's, it's easy to do. It's habit-forming, and I, I wanted to make you guys laugh, so I kept going with the joke at my wife's expense. Um, also, uh, 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 Dr. Stokes and I were talking about this last week. Um, e- even even joking where you're saying the exact opposite of what the person's gifts or abilities are, you know you're being very, very clear that so and so is a genius, so you call them an idiot, right? Um, that kind of opposite, it's, it's meant to be funny also, but still, we've got to be careful. You've got to know who, who you're talking to. Um, what their personality type is. Can they handle that kind of joking? It, it's, 
that's something that we should be cautious of. Um, okay, so now we're, uh, if you were to turn back to James chapter 3. And here, uh, the letter of James emphasizes that control over our lives depends upon control over our tongue. Tongues. My tongue, tongue your tongue, tongues. Um, You know where I'm going, so we're in chapter 3 here. Let not many of you become teachers, verse 1, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. So this is what I was talking about. I'm going to read a passage where those who teach are going to... Get a, so I'm teaching about this. I need to watch it even more, right? For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us... We direct their entire body as well. Uh, most of us are aware of what a bit is. It's used on farming animals. They bite down, they put it in their mouth, and it, it, it's, a, it's a contraption that goes all the way up their head so that the person steering them to plow the crops can control the direction of what they, go, what they do. Also, sometimes a bit is used to take a wild or, stumb- uh, wild or stubborn, resistant animal and turn it into a useful creature that obeys its master. We're going to put the bit into our mouth, mouth and control what happens here because if we get a loose with our, loose with our language, our body tends to follow it. Let's continue reading. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder whenever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. So, similarly, the tongue is like a rudder of a ship. Again, a very small piece of equipment. Ships could be large. Maybe he's, there, he's referring to more of a, 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 a fishing type of boat, so not even as big, but still, the rudder is not, is not very big. I was looking at uh, pictures of ancient, uh, ancient ships, and still, uh, the steering wheel might be large or what's, what's controlling them, but, but the rudder itself is small. A great, great vessel. Our bodies are large. We are often controlled by this thing here. Um, and like a ship, we need to direct our speech so that it gives strength to others. Um, let's continue. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send forth from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. James says there that the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. A lack of control over our tongues makes us double-minded. Right? It says there, with our mouths, with our hands lifted up, we worship, we bless the Lord. But with it, we also spew forth cursing and bitterness towards others. Uh, we condemn others. Uh, Jesus tells us we're supposed to be salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt preserves food and gives it flavor. He talks there about um, fresh water, right? We use fresh water to grow things. But if you take salt and put it in that water, 
It's no longer useful for growing things. And that's what we do when we, we bless our Father with one and to our fellow man or to our family members, we speak evil about them or maybe speak negatively to them or about them. Our words can build up, strengthen and encourage others. Or our words can tear down, they can weaken, we can dishearten people. Uh, Positive speech and negative speech have consequences, not only for the speaker, but for those who hear and those who are spoken about. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification, according to the need of the moment, say that. Say that, right? So that it will give grace to those who hear. Our words should have a positive impact on others. With our speech, we can rob someone of their reputation, steal away their trust in others, and set a believer against another believer. This should not be, right? As James said in that last passage. In verse 11, um, flip over one chapter. We're in uh, in chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 11 and 12 here. It says, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Um, It's thought that when Paul uses the word law in that passage, he's talking about the second greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. We're not loving our neighbor if we are um, speaking about them or judging them, right? Um, Also, judge means here to judge unfavorably, or judging them to condemn them. Um, To speak against your brother or sister is to assume a position of authority, which we probably were not given. What does a judge do? They investigate facts, They listen to evidence, they hear charges, they may render a verdict or pronounce a sentence. Well, we take up that position of being judge over someone without doing any of those things, without listening to facts and hearing hearing all sides of the stories. We go against the law of our Lord to love our neighbor. Proverbs 11, 12, and 13 says, He who despises his neighbor lacks sense. But a man of understanding keeps silent. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. I'm almost done here. Uh, last passage. Let's uh, flip to James 1. Um, we'll start at verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. How often is that we're so quick to jump at what somebody says to us, about us, um, that we just kind of lunge at them, right? Verbally or maybe physically. Um, We are to be slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. We are not being righteous if we are sinning in our response to others. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Four, once he has looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Has ever happened to you? You're reminded of sin, you're upset with yourself for, your, for that sin, and then the next day you do that sin again, you completely forgot what you were correcting yourself or angry with yourself about. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Our goal here is not just to check and restrain the tongue, but to harness it, right? To use the power of the tongue for the service of the kingdom, to edify people, to lift them up. Um, next time, we're gonna, I'm going to look at how we can use the power of the tongue to encourage what Scripture says about it. It's going to be a few weeks from, from today. I, I'm not really ready for that yet. But uh, so to, The goal is to build up and hopefully train our children to speak of our brothers and sisters in the faith better than we, than we do ourselves. So will you bow your heads with me?